Hey, look what we have found A big sound in a small town Far away from the bright lights They're making music every night Discover what is all around A big sound Wonderful. It's a really beautiful festival, really beautiful day. It is. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm glad to have you on Big Sound Small Town. I, uh, although I was aware of your playing, um, uh, it, it is fabulous. I mean, <laughs> how did that come about? <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I. I started playing bass. I guess I'm just going to start from the beginning here. I yeah. I started playing bass when I'm 42 years old. I started right. playing bass when I was about 10 years old. Uh, you know, growing up in, I grew up in Rochester, New York. Yeah. And I chose the bass, chose the upright bass as my as my instrument in school. You know, right. They gave me the, the choice of instruments. Sure. And that's the one I chose right away. I, I said, I want to play the upright bass. Wow. And um, it took a long time after that for me to discover bluegrass, right? And discover, you know, not not just bluegrass, but discover jazz and, and right. kind of fun things you can do with the upper bass. Right. It's not just playing. Sure, in, I'm, in the orchestra. In the orchestra, and I guess section. you started out bowing and stuff also with yes. that. Yes, that's um. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I did discover. You know, I, I guess I didn't really know what a great choice I made when I was 10 years old. Right. So it took me a few years to realize, oh, wow, there's all these cool things you can do. There really is. Particularly uh, particularly an acoustic upright bass. I mean, it has sounds unless you play a fretless that you just can't get out of another uh, instrument, a bass instrument, you know? Right, right. I mean, you can slap it. You can, you know, there's so many things yeah. that you can do that goes beyond just the musical notes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you've, you've, you've learned them all, it looked to me like. You've learned all the tricks. So, so I guess you've continued doing that. I mean, I guess you did it in high school. Yep, yep. I, I played, you know, sometime in maybe around, I want to say, 12 or 13. 13, or, let's say, I, I, they started offering jazz band in, in high yeah. school or middle school at that point. And that's, of course, very, you know, it's, 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 sure. it's jazz for 13-year-olds. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice introduction. Yeah. And, uh, and then sometime in high school, I started discovering more, you know, great, like, Really great music, but I don't know. Thinking of Miles Davis. Yeah, Miles Davis is great music. Yeah. You start to hear that stuff, and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. There's yeah. Some really beautiful. You start to understand. You start to realize the the spiritual. I guess you move to to like Ron Carter and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, because it's you know it's uh, I mean, very. I know lots of bass players. I'm a bass player. Okay. Chris, bass player. We uh. Um. And we're both upright bass players when we play music beside do podcasts. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a fine one. I mean, I, I hear them all the time, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, and. Great ones here. I, I mean, I've seen Daniel Kimbrough. Yeah. Right there yes. He's, he's, he's good, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, 
then how did that ever get to be? I mean, that, I mean, you could you could play the jazz that and play that forever and and work, you know. So how what, how how did you fall into bluegrass? Uh, really, there's no good answer to that question. <laughs> I, I've, I've wondered this myself. You know, my parents weren't bluegrass listeners, or my parents aren't even really. Uh, they're not musicians. My mom has a passion for, you know, I like, grew up listening to, like, the Beatles. Sure, and, yeah. That, like, around the house. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I grew up in Rochester, New York. Right, so which is bluegrass. It's not, not, it's not a bluegrass hotbed. Not a hotbed, no. I mean, there is a lot of music in Rochester, thanks, thanks to the Eastman School of Music. Sure. And, and, but, but, I mean, certainly not bluegrass and... Uh, I discovered, I think the first album I heard a banjo on was probably the um, Shady Grove album by, by Jerry Garcia. Yeah, Grisman, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's a good starting place, too. Yeah. I mean, Grisman kind of has a jazz background, too. So, yes. I mean, it's not just straight up um, uh, parking lot bluegrass. Yeah. So I heard that album, and I, and I was actually I was really drawn to the banjo. Yeah, I really, I, I was like, wow, that's such a great instrument. It is a great instrument. And I, I convinced my parents to get me a banjo, so I, I, I ended up playing. By the time I was about, I think when I was fifteen, I started getting into banjo playing and, and playing. I learned how to play claw hammer. Yeah, claw hammer's great. So that became part of my identity, basically. <laughs> you know, be, like really getting into the banjo and, and loving the banjo, and and, uh, and then it wasn't until I, I, I went to the Berkeley College of Music. Started in 2000 there, and uh, when you went there, though, you went as a as a bass. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's very obvious in your yeah, playing. Yeah, and and so yeah, there's a there used to be, and I guess not anymore, but there used to be a weekly jam session at the Cantab Lounge in Cambridge. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty on yeah, the map. Yeah, it is. Or it was. It's, yeah, it's, it was. Yeah. Right. But uh, so. That's what I. That's where I think I really understood for the first time what bluegrass music was by going to those jam sessions. Before that, you know, I was kind of like anything with the banjo. Right, it's bluegrass. bluegrass. Yeah. I started going to the can tab, and I was like, oh, this is this is bluegrass. There's a format. Yeah. You know, yeah. There's there's you know people take solos in between the verses. Right. And like you know, you can only have one mandolin player you know like the, uh, the whole thing sure uh, the way the way the banjo uh, yeah. sorry, the way the bluegrass is organized right yeah that was that was where I got my education and all that yeah I mean like you mandolin is your snare player you know yeah, and right. so I mean yeah. it's, it's, or your drummer for the most part so yeah. And and that is one of the things that I I, I noticed how well you work with the other musicians you know because you and we'll take it out here you, there were a lot of different musicians and yet you handle you know all that stuff just brilliantly. Well, thank you. And and uh, your intonation is just fabulous. Oh, thanks so much. I mean, I mean, you know, it's a fretless instrument, and sometimes, you know, people struggle. I mean, it's just like playing the fiddle. People struggle playing the violin, the fiddle with intonation. The older players used to. Um, uh, I used to go to old time fiddle uh, contests and stuff, and. Sometimes even the guys that were really, really good, Tommy Gerald, that crowd, their intonation was bad. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've played with a lot of bass players uh, that play upright, that their intonation, they can play fine, but their intonation is, you know, a little sharp, a little flat, not always on the, you know, 
So. Well, thank you. I don't know. I don't know. You know, of course, I think any, any, uh, any you talk to any professional um, fretless musician and they're always going to feel very self-conscious about their intonation. Sure. I mean, I think everybody does. I wish I could agree. But, but no, it, it's, it's good. I mean, it, it is uh, because you're not just, uh, you know, you're just not root five in it. You know, you're not yeah. just playing the root and the, and the you know, you know yeah. root and forth. You know, you're not exactly just walking well, it. You and, know, and a lot of what happened today was that I, for most of what I, what we did today, we didn't have a mandolin player. Right. And of course, you know, we were blessed by having the Michaels with us. True, sure, Michael, yeah. Michael and Michael Dades. Yeah. And um, you know, no slouches. No. And, and they're very sensitive to providing what. The mandolin player provides, which is the, right. the back beat. And, 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 you know, it's in his chop. It's in the, it's in the fiddle chop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, Michael Cleveland is sure. doing the chop. And, and Michael Dave's also does uh, a version of some sort of fiddle, does he, some sort of mandolin chop. Uh, you know, guitar. he's a fine rhythm player. I think that gets yeah. lost on people is, is Michael is such a fine rhythm player, too. I mean, yeah, there's... I have yet to see what Michael Davis is not. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, he is. He's, he's fantastic. So, how did you get hooked up with those guys? I, the short story is well, so I, I met Tony. I started playing music with Tony Churchka, I think, about, I want to say, 10 or 11 years ago. Um, I was recommended. So, I had been, I had I'd done a couple of tours with Abigail Washburn. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Abigail and Bale, yeah. And yeah, through her, I, I became good friends with Brittany Haas. Yeah. The wonderful. Sure, she's fabulous, too. And she had, she had worked with Tony a lot. And I, I gather that Tony had asked her if she had any, he needed a bass player. Right. And he asked her if she knew any bass players in New York. Right. And so, yeah, so Brittany recommended me. That's, that's my understanding of it. I'm not, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's. That's a good person. That's another fabulous musician who who is just unworldly too. Yeah. So yeah. so uh, you've gotten yourself in awfully good company. I, I have to, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. So, and I and I guess that's that's worked out. I mean, I guess you've worked with Tony now. I think at least I lost track, but it's been at least a decade. So yeah, we've yeah. done a lot together now. You talk. I've done a couple records. Yeah. There's another great record. Getting ready to come out, yeah. You probably heard about that. He was here yesterday, okay, and and this is a part that I love today. So he did. I think it is the uh, wedding song, yeah. and where you guys played the uh, ending. It has, is that the one that has the ending where it's you and, and and Tony, and it's just a single note, and it ends the song. Oh, shoot. What is, is, this? It, is that? Is that? Is off of the uh, Earl Scruggs, John Hartford. Thing. Well, so they, they did the, um, the the bride processional. That's song. what it. Yeah, but, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it, does it end with him playing a single string in, in the he two does, of you? You're right. You're right. So when they perform it, when they performed it today, yeah. So that's just a fiddle and banjo breakdown, at least in, in our set. Right. And that's because Tony's trying to recreate those. Yeah, he. That's what he told me yesterday. Yeah, Hartford, he, the Hartford sure. jam sessions. And so he's. It's pretty much an inside joke to anyone who, who would, would know this. He plays, I think, some sort of like maybe just the open string. Yeah, he does. Banjo, I, th- I, th- I think he or did. Or maybe on the fiddle. I can't remember who does it. Right. And that's, that is actually true to the, those recordings, so, yeah, right. historic recordings that, right. that, that he's 
trying to recreate. So, yeah, yeah the, the, that might be, I think that's what you're referring to. I think it is. And, and it was, uh, and the reason he ended it that way is, is uh, oh, no, it was the one where this, the, it's the uh, bass and banjo. Okay, so, so that's what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a song that we do, it's called Can't Stop Me From Dreaming. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. And uh, that's also, we're trying to recreate uh, a re- it was Earl and, and, and Cousin Jake right. that would do their duos. Yeah. Probably it's when, you know, someone broke a string and they had to fill time on stage. I'm guessing that's... that's yeah, the, that would make sense, yeah. ...the impetus of the, of the duos. But, so, um, yeah, there's a bass banjo duos and uh, Tony... So, so Earl ends that duo by playing... Right, right. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what he does, and uh, and Tony has accurately figured figured out. I, I think I, I would agree with this. He figured out that that is Earl, you know, Mim- imitating, or the, maybe I would say they're mimicking. Mimicking would probably be better. Mimicking, the, mimicking the the the, ba- the bass. Yeah, and, and how simple the bass. Yeah, yeah. I think I, mean, I think I think you're right. I, I, I think that's kind of what he implied to me yesterday when he was here. It's yeah. like, it's like, yeah. and, and so he sat here yesterday and did most of those, oh, a ton of those John Hartford, uh, Earl Scruggs songs. Then today, when I heard you guys do your sit, your first sit, yeah, you know, that came to life because it was him with the banjo, you know, and then and then when he added you guys in. What he was talking about here and playing for me with his banjo, it just it just like exploded when it, he added the whole band to it. Just just like just like the bass, you know, I could I could imagine it while he was doing it, the bass and, and banjo. But then when the two of you guys did it, it was just it was just like exploded, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good, you know. Yeah, and he I think and that's he, the goal of music, right? Is trying trying to make something, trying to. Create, trying to create something. Sure. You're trying to create, create a, a fun atmosphere or, you know, something I, exciting. I walked away each time y'all played today. Somebody said, that bass player, man, he can, he can, you know, he can really play. He's just not, he's, he's not your standard bluegrass bass player. I mean, he's, you know, he's, you know, and I've known Mike Bub, you know, you know, yeah. Mike, and, you know. Of course. And one, of, <laughs> one of the greats, one of the greats. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 uh, yeah, and uh, oh, and since you started with banjo, you know Mark Schatz is a claw hammer banjo player too, yeah. right? Yeah, and, a, and an excellent bass player, better and bass player a, than well, he is. Well, that's, he sets the bar pretty high with his bass player. Yeah, he, he does. Such yeah. A great bass player. yeah. Um, and but I will say he's an excellent claw hammer banjo player. He is. I have I have one of I, I had one of his albums and I listened to it a lot yeah. where he's playing banjo. Yeah, and a mighty fine dancer before I forget. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, uh, so, yeah, um, but yeah, I think he gives you a lot of room to to go. I mean, I, I think that um, he's not holding you. Tony's not holding you down to um, you know a simple bass line. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, you know, Tony has a, a long history of, of not really trying to adhere. Yeah, to, true, he does. You know, the, the, Standard, you know, he's, he's always been trying to take things out, push things yeah. further, and, and uh, you know, by giving the bass players some room. I think sure. that's, that's part of Tony's general uh, approach to playing. I mean, I, I mean, I think that would be a good gig because you do get to 
you do get to play. You actually get to play and and yeah. you know be a pretty shining part of the just like just like Michael and just like Michael. I mean, you, like Michael, Michael, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you you also had you know uh, your space in there to do your thing, which is which is just great for a bass player. You know, Thanks, yeah. yeah. I mean. I mean I'm really just feel like I'm most of the time really just trying to hold it down and, and, and be as simple as possible. That's honestly what I'm well really, really trying to do. But then, yeah, sure, there's there are moments that yeah, that and, other and things happen, and, and that has to feel good as a player to get to do that. I mean, you know, you, you, bass if you let it can get kind of boring, you know. Yeah. Uh, in a bluegrass. It's not supposed to be exciting. Let's be clear. It, well, bass, this bass, is true. Bass is supposed to be true. Boring is not necessarily a bad a criticism. No, no, it's bass. really not. And yeah. and actually, uh, you can overplay easily. Exactly. And and a lot of people do that too. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, I like what you do. I think I I've I have become a real fan of your bass playing. I've listened to it on record, but then when I saw it live, it was like. Wow, man! I need to talk to this guy because he's got it going on as a bass player, you know. And and, and you kind of you know all of the I know all of the other bluegrass bass players, but you know, of course, Tony has this whole New York connection, you know. Right. And and he likes to, he likes to call it New York City or, or Brooklyn. I think specifically he would, he would call it the the, um, the home of bluegrass music or whatever. I'm sure. no, no, I can't remember. But the, the, the joke was that for a while there was like such a hotbed of bluegrass musicians sure. in Brooklyn. Yeah, there, yeah, there so, were, yeah. and and uh, you know, it's uh, it's definitely turned out some fine musicians. Even I mean bluegrass musicians, yeah. 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 You know, so it's um. There was a, there was a, I mean there was a period. It's it's kind of it's kind of uh, I guess cooled down a little bit. But there was a time you know thinking back like seven ish years ago when. You know, like Mike Barnett. Yeah. All, all the Punch Brothers were living yeah. in Brooklyn. Mike right. Barnett, uh, and he's done well with yeah. it. I mean, I, I and I like his stuff because it is very innovative. Very, very. I, I auditioned for a band one time. This is hilarious. And I had heard standard banjo playing because I live. I live, I run my podcast out of the Earl Scruggs Center, so you know I am steeped hard in banjo. Okay. So, so I go for this audition. And the guy is playing chromatic banjo. Sure. And that was new to me. This was, this has been almost 50 years ago, a long time ago. Yeah. And I said, man, I really like that stuff. And, and I said, that's really different. He said, yeah, I know this guy, Tony Trishka. He said, everything I can find of his, I, I, I just break it down and learn everything I can by him. And that was like eye-opening thing for me. It was like, you know. Wow, there is uh, life outside of Earl Scruggs, you know. Well, and I gotta say that's the great thing. I mean, you know, having traveled around with Tony a lot and played all these gigs, pretty right. much every gig, there's someone that, that's coming up to him that, that saying something like that, you know, saying like, "Wow, you know, I, I've always, 
you know, I've learned so much from your records. Sure. I've, you know, uh, I've, you know, he's he's been an idol, I think, to he, a lot of a lot of bands and players. He and, should. And maybe just bluegrass musicians, and musicians in general. He's been an idol for many decades now, and, and that's, you know, it's easy to not think about that all the time, but but it's great to see that one and, and be reminded of that. One. Right. Well, you know, he told me he entered a banjo contest one time. Ralph Stanley was the uh, one of the judges. Yeah. And he said, you know, he played his version, and you know, his version's got some, uh, quirk- yeah, yeah, they do some quirky stuff in them, and you know, and he, he realized why he didn't win. I mean, you know, he said, why, well, well, you know, I didn't play it traditionally, yeah, you know, and he, and he said, well, but I was okay with that, you know, so, uh, but he said, there were great banjo player, famous Ralph Stanley. I can't remember who else. Somebody else was a judge. And, you know, he said, I thought I played it just really, really cool and great. And then I realized, well, they're not looking for cool and great. They're looking for, um, uh, it's like classical music, you know, uh, perfect uh, imitation of, of it. You know how classical I works. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's. Emulation is what you're after. I mean, you're going to play it just like the composer. No, no, very little uh, improvising. You know, you're going to play the notes that are written out on the page. And I think that's what Bluegrass before Tony had gotten to a little bit. Mm. And then Tony played. I'm going to play a sixth here that probably you won't get, but it's cool. It'll work, you know. Or, yeah, you know. Yeah, so so and and that is just really cool. You're a good fit though with him. He's um, thanks. Uh, you work with other people too. I at the moment, I I mean yes, I'm a full time musician, so yeah, I have to. I do understand I, I do that. Do a lot of things to to, to stay busy, but um, in, in the bluegrass realm, I'm not really. I think it's just I'm just playing with Tony. That's only that's about the only person I'm playing bluegrass with. Yeah, you know, there was a time that I played there's a there's a bar in the East Village in New York City called Mona's and now they still have a they have a, a Monday Night Bluegrass Jam session and, a, and it's a great spot if anyone is looking for where to find bluegrass in, in New York right. I, would, I would point to Mona's on Monday nights um, and so yeah I used to be in the house band for right. many years sure. and I, I was in several different bluegrass bands over you know yeah. over the years but yeah, at the moment though, I'm, I'm just kind of playing bluegrass with, with Tony, and then I go back and I, I when I'm back home in, in Brooklyn, I'm playing uh, a lot of jazz and, and traditional jazz, kind of right. like 1920s, 1930s era jazz. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. I, I, yeah. I wondered if you worked outside of outside of bluegrass. Yes. And yes. figured you must yes. because and Tony's played. the only person that I have seen seen you with. So, right. so right. I figured you must be playing. And I knew you did this full time, so I knew you must have been playing with something different too. Yeah, there's. A, I somehow stayed, stayed very busy. I, I guess it's just a product of being a bass player. It and, is. Yeah. And, um, I also play almost half of what I did when I'm when I'm just gigging around New York City is, is I'm playing four string banjo. Actually, yeah. I play like plectrum banjo. Yeah. And uh, so that's in, in the style of the 1920s, 1930s jazz. Style. Yeah, that's cool. Though. Yeah, I mean that is a cool that is a cool genre of music, without a doubt. Now that's, that is really interesting because it is two worlds colliding a bit, you know. Yeah. And we got we got the the 
the jazz, I mean the jazz background and the Berkeley background is real evident in your playing, you know. But 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 it works great in in with Tony. I mean, it's great with what it does, you know. I, I, like I say, you're you're my new favorite. <laughs> and 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 you've been a hit here. I don't I don't know if you've heard it or not, but everywhere I've been around, you got to see that bass player with Tony. He he might be the best person in the band, you know. So so I don't even know. I'm not even gonna respond to that. You don't have to. You you don't have to. But it's it's too, it's too cool. I mean, you made an impact, which is. Uh, a good thing. I think every musician at some point likes to make an impact, and I think you really did uh, today here, you know. Well, that's, thank you very much. Oh, I, I appreciate you coming and doing this. Yeah. This was, um, I have a lot of listeners, and you need way more publicity than what you have. You know, more people need to know about you. like a, a secret, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I expect I expect that I'll have a million new sure. followers yeah. after, after this. Sure. I hope. Oh, you have um. You do. Do you promote yourself with uh, web pages or stuff like uh, that? Yeah. Or? I mean, I do. I, I I have. I'm on Instagram. If you, I'm, that's uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's Engel E N G E L underscore Jared J A R E D. You can probably just search for me, Jared yeah. Engel. Um, yeah, I have a website, jaredengel.com. I'm, I'm not really promoting any specific project at right. the moment, so, you know. But at least people can find find me and say hi or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably that has links to stuff you play on, so. Oh, yeah, my website has tons of links. Yeah, so. The albums that I've been on and there's some videos of things sure. that I've done, so yeah, if you're, yeah. If you're curious. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Again, thank you for coming and doing thanks this because so I know you're on a tight schedule. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks, thanks so thank much. Thank you. Uh-huh.